Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars that weren't in their prime Made other movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Danny Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome to a, another episode of the B-Side for the film stage. As always, I'm Dan Mecca and Connor O'Donnell's with me. Here, as you know, we talk about movie stars, usually not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. Today, we're going to, we're going to, we've been doing this lately. We've been taking new directions. We're going to turn to the left. Mix, and we're going to get, up a little yeah, bit. we're going to yeah. get a little concept. We're going to talk uh, genre, subgenre even. Um, and we're going to talk about B-Side Vietnam War movies with a guy who knows a little bit about it, and I'm going to introduce him right now. His name is Brian Raftery, friend of the pod, a cinephile himself. You've been on Game Night, right, Brian? You were on Game Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you don't know Brian, and you should know Brian, he's the author of Best Movie Year Ever, which is about the amazing movie year that was and continues to be 1999, and a podcaster whose recent podcast is Do We Get to Win This Time, which is a beautiful reference to the movie Rambo 2, or is it first, was it Rambo First, first Blood Part 2? Yeah, is that Rambo what it is? First Blood Part 2. <laughs> And um, that um, that very good podcast is on The Ringer. Listen to it. Really a good – I would almost say pause and listen to that pot because it's a great primer. You talk about – I'll let you talk about it for a second, Brian, but you basically talk about the evolution of the Vietnam War movie, right, in, almost in, in American culture to some degree. Yeah, the idea of the show was to – I mean, to – you know, I should clarify, I was not around during Vietnam, so he's not alive in the Vietnam War, but sure. I'm close enough to have almost been <laughs> – Bit of age, and so I grew up on all these movies in the '80s, like Full Metal Jacket and Platoon, um, where I was, you know, I was fascinated by Vietnam because of the movies, and I truly had very little actual knowledge of what the war was like or what why it was fought. So the the idea was to go to the show was to look at all these major Vietnam movies and some and some not major ones, like basically spanning from the late '60s to late '90s, which was kind of this off and on peak. And kind of look at how Hollywood depicted Vietnam. It, you know, I talked to Oliver Stone. I talked to a lot of filmmakers and actors about their movies. But it was also trying to figure out like what the impact these movies had on how you know not just how Gen X perceived it, but how moviegoers in general kind of felt about the war, and also how the movies kind of reflected how Americans felt about the war at the time. So it was one of those things where it was it's partly a kind of behind the scenes like how did Full Metal Jack get me, how did Platoon get me, but it's also kind of looking at the big picture of like. How did Vietnam get made in our sort of imagination of as American moviegoers? Because again, I was, you know, I watched Fear of Hunter and Apocalypse Now when I was way too young. Not only not only for the violence in those movies, but also for any sort of like political or social or cultural subtext and for it to make any sense to me at all. So yeah, it was um it is it is a lot more fun than hopefully it sounds. I realize that Vietnam's a really tough more to wade into and these movies are really intense, but it actually wound up being like a lot of really interesting conversations about you know, a period of time where Hollywood studios could make very big war movies and not worry too much about whether they were superheroes in them or not. No, yeah, it's a great, no, it's a great, it's a great series and it really covers a lot of time and a lot of film. And like you're saying, a lot of behind the scenes, which is interesting just in its own right. And I think just to you kind get of some jump- great, you get some great interview bites for sure. Like there are a lot of fun little anecdotes um, 
we we'll talk about it in a second, but like you get some nice little bits from like Courtney B. Vance uh, in regards oh, to yeah. like Hamburger Hill and stuff well, and like that. Well, you talked to so, John Irvin, right? Did you talk to John Irvin? Yeah, John Irvin. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's got some great insight too. Yeah, so, so I love. Well, t- I mean, so I'll use that as a prompt. So we're gonna so we're gonna focus on three movies, uh, B side wise today. We're gonna start with Hearts and Minds, the Peter Davis documentary that won the Oscar, kind of somewhat controversially, which you talk about a little bit in your pod, uh, uh, Brian. And then we're gonna we're gonna go across the pond and we're going to talk about a, a vietnamese made b-side uh called the little girl from hanoi though i don't think you would call it a b-side in vietnam i think it was actually a very important movie you know really a piece of propaganda we can get into that yeah um that was made um literally in the direct aftermath of the 1972 christmas time bombings which are known as i wrote it down here am i crazy operation linebacker Two, right yeah. Yeah. With the I Christmas so, yeah. bombings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And literally we'll get into it. The the footage is just, you know, like it's literally like Vietnam's Germany here zero. It's like yeah. just amongst yeah. the rubble of of, yeah. of it's crazy. Yeah. And um and we'll end with Hamburger Hill, which you talked definitely a little bit about on your podcast, which John Irvin directed, great British filmmaker, super underrated uh British filmmaker, we should say. And Hamburger Hill Hamburger Hill had the misfortune of being released. Is it like five weeks after Full Metal Jacket? It's like it's like yeah, it's stuck in between basically stuck around in between Full Metal Jacket and Platoon and kind of the public imagination. It just yeah, it, it was all those weird movies where they no one wanted to make it. Then Platoon yeah. came out while John Irvin was making it. Everyone's like, "Oh, let's put out a Vietnam movie." And it's like you can't, you can't come out that close right after Platoon is just one, like a whole like, best picture. He just won the entire Oscar night in a lot of ways. Idea. And also, just and also, I mean, and you mentioned this obviously to then get like front ended and then rear ended by Bor- by by Stone by Born on the Fourth of July, like yeah, just in eighty nine, eighty nine. But um. Yeah. But anyway, so those are the three we're talking about. And I think, you know, what we should get into it quickly, but in terms of just me and Connor always talk about kind of when did you first, you know, know about the movie star or whatever. So in this this case, it's a little bit more general, but I think, you know, me and Connor were talking before recording. um, And, you know, Brian, you talk a lot about this on your podcast, so I won't make you repeat it. But like in terms of my concept of Vietnam, I was just joking with Connor. My dad always, when I would ask about it or whatever age I was, I was a kid because <laughs> it was a confusing war. Like we're, you know, we're a little young, a little bit more younger than you, but like it's a confusing war, yeah. right? And and I remember asking my dad, like, did we win? Like what happened? And, and my dad would always be like, it was a tie. And I laugh, I laugh now <laughs> because it was a clear reference in his mind to, uh, we were just talking about it, Connor. What's the movie? A Fish, a fish Called Wanda. 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 Right. Because <laughs> Kevin Klein is we like- We did not lose Vietnam. It was a tie. <laughs> and it's like, it was so not a tie. But I mean, yeah. for so much of my childhood, I, in my head, I was like, well, you know, it was, but it's like, no, I mean, fall of Saigon, whatnot. But, um, but so those things are always funny, which like how you think of this thing that's very kind of amorphous and complicated, especially at a younger age. And I even remember like, I got into it. I can't remember why, but I did a report when I was in high school on the Pentagon Papers, and I like read oh, the wow. Pentagon Papers. I don't think I read like every single it's a leak because <laughs> it's a huge. If you get the published, you know, at the lot, it's a huge thing. But I read a lot of it, and it's definitely like I was rewatching just in general prep for this podcast a movie I love, uh, The Quiet American, which is the Philip mm. Noyce movie, which is more like Indochina, nineteen fifty four kind of you know is literally like a preamble to the American involvement and the the book is the graham green book is very good too um 
I would recommend that movie. We're not going to really cover it, but just as a general recommendation, that movie blew my mind when I was younger. And I think that was around the time I was like reading the Ellsberg stuff. I think like yeah. Spader played Ellsberg in a TV movie called the Pentagon Papers, which I watched. Yeah, that like, right. Yeah. So I got into that stuff and that was kind of my um, entree in to the Vietnam War. Connor, what was yours? You, you had... You had so many brothers and sisters that they have like a... Yeah, I mean, nobody nobody in my house really had a take on it. Like, I had an older brother who was just always interested in history, you know? So he had like a few books on like every war, right? right. Kind of thing. Right. But, right. Um, and I definitely, I had, uh, I had an uncle actually who, who uh, protested the war and like went to Canada. And like so, growing up, I had like family like in Canada. The draft card. And whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the specific well, whatever, details yeah, of it, but, but yeah, I know yeah, yeah. like I had an aunt and an uncle and cousins who lived in Canada, and I know that part of that was because basically he was like peace, right? Literally. And it was, and just to be clear, um, it was Judd Hirsch and Christine Lottie. Yes, exactly. And they were <laughs> up there, and it was um, Robert Redford from that movie he made ten years ago. Was that, movie? that, that <laughs> was kind of my. That, I mean, it was never like. Yeah, I I guess I probably had a similar experience or perception of it to you, Dan, where it's like, oh yeah, this was the bad one, right? right. Like you know, like you know, just like or however you learn about it yeah. in like American history or whatever, and you know, obviously that resonates in a way. I was saying to you off mic yesterday, Dan, that like as a pocket of movies, I feel like a lot of these, and this is why I really loved your pod, Brian. It's just like. A lot of them were blind. I mean, the big ones I've seen or whatever, but generally it's like not a subgenre of movie I seek out basically because they all feel like a bad time. You know, like it, it just it's just one of those because like, again, narratively, you know, like you can spin World War Two in a way that makes for good adventure movies. Good. What, you know, well, like it's they like still, they still make World War. I mean, you right. say it, Brian, and, and you're, they they still make them right because it's yeah. like we were the good guys i mean right. obviously there's complications there you know go you know, go, go see oppenheimer right it's like there's obviously complications there but like you know when the rubber meets the road the cell is easier right, right. but like, like at the end right like at the end of the day right like hamburger hill is a tough movie oh yeah saving private, than, Ryan, say saving, saving private ryan for all its intensity is a pretty entertaining movie to watch, right? Like, it's yeah. like, you know, and I just, I think part of that is the sort of, again, like the nature of like, I, I mean, not to get ahead to Hamburger Hill, but like the just, you know, the general sort of like Sisyphus tale that is the Vietnam War from the American perspective, right? Of just like, what is, yeah. what is the point, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and even, I mean, even, and even, and we'll, and we'll jump into hearts and minds, but even we were emailing, like, we were soldiers, which is O2, Randall Wallace, right. and Hamburger Hill are about battles that we quote unquote won, right? But like, even in the victory, the, and even, and, and then look, the, the movies account for this. The movies aren't sugarcoating it. Well, Hamburger Hill kind of does, because they don't really talk about how we literally gave that hill up two months later in real life, which is right. insane. But <laughs> but the movies the movies energy suggests kind of a nihilistic literally yes. no, yeah. no because the that movie feeling no one said right. a hamburger hill yeah. feeling like <laughs> it's like yeah, the final gotcha. shot is just like yeah. pretty like yeah. The final yeah. shot is just like so disparaging. It's like uh, after after a very brutal two hours that preceded, yeah. Yeah. So I just it's point being those are the victories, right? So it's like, yeah. you know, like that's you know, there's not a lot to be gleaned from. And even like to the point where we were talking like 
And you, I think, mentioned this when you talked to Stone, like Heaven and Earth he makes, which is this incredibly complex third movie in his Vietnam War trilogy. You know, really interesting movie. Nobody even, like, thought about going to the movie theater to see it because it was like by the time that movie comes out, people were like, all right, we're good. We, we all like Tommy Lee <laughs> yeah. Jones. We yeah. all like The Fugitive, which is, I think, the same exact year as that movie. But it's like... Please no more. You know, De Palma I think also did it. It, it doesn't, and, you know, yeah, it you know, doesn't help that it's a third one up. from Stone, right? Where I think that also it's makes also it also just the subject matter. So, right. yeah, you're, and you're just tough, a little yeah. like, all right, that could have been that could have definitely like, been a B set. But um, but anyway, Hearts and Minds and Brian, I'll let you kind of jump into this because this I had actually not seen it in full. Um, tell us a little bit about Hearts and Minds. I mean, this is like a really important moment in the Vietnam War movie. I feel like it changes a lot of things, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. A really remarkable documentary. I think, you know, Peter Davis is the guy who directed it. And, you know, the reports of the time say that, you know, he he had a million dollar budget to make this documentary, which was shocking when I first heard that number. But now I'm like, I think that's equivalent of like six or seven million dollars now. Where it's like <laughs> the idea, the resources he had for this are pretty extraordinary. And he went to Vietnam with a with a with a small crew and just started filming and filming and filming. And he kind of, I mean, the movie sort of splits between Americans, both in Vietnam and abroad, and the Vietnamese in Vietnam. And, you know, what's so remarkable about this movie is that I don't, I don't think this was the first documentary I ever saw. I definitely saw it when I was a little younger, but I think I'd already seen Roger and Me and that sort of more newer sort of, you know, late 80s, early 90s, kind of slightly postmodern documentaries by the time I saw it. But I was really struck when I saw it, and when I rewatched it again for this podcast, it does feel very modern in terms of, like, it's editing. I mean, it's very, very, yeah. oh, it's manipulative. I mean, I don't think Peter Davis would see that as a pejorative. Like, it is really trying to push you and as far as you can go. And there's like really shocking kind of like juxtapositions. Um, there are scenes that play out to, you know, a, an uncomfortable degree that I think are really meant to push you one way. Um, but he had remarkable access. I mean, he had, you know, General William Westmoreland, who was a huge that architect. Stuff of the beer. is yeah, the Westmoreland he, he stuff a, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and he like, gets to sit down with him. And this guy is, I mean, this guy could not look more like an 1970s like military man. Like he's just right. got the haircut, the stoic, like the kind of the are you chubby or muscular kind of build where you're like, <laughs> just a big dude. Either way, yeah. he's a big dude. And he just kind of, you know, Peter Davis has a sit down interview with him where, you know, William Westmoreland kind of casually says, you know, that. You know, he really, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, that Vietnamese Americans, they don't have much regard for life. And, oh my God. Which is kind of yeah. a shocking statement. And then Peter Davis cuts that with, you know, a, a funeral in Vietnam where this child is wailing. And, you know, the mother is, is like, as, they're like, they're like putting a coffin in a grave. And that, yeah, you're, I, you would assume mother, maybe grandmother, but tries to like to get go in into the, open the grave. grave. Yeah. Like yeah. insane, yeah. insane stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's no nuance to it. And when it came out, you know, he, First of all, I did speak to a handful of veterans for the show, and at times we would talk about the movies of that era. And based on stuff I've also read, a lot of veterans at the time really hated this movie. They really, I mean, this sure. is really like, they really find this offensively one-sided. They're, the argument basically comes down to you're showing this kind of unseemly to like borderline horrific American behavior by Americans. We're not seeing anything of that like coming from the Vietnamese. That's sort of the argument that some American veterans make against it. But you know, it comes out, and it, first of all, it barely comes out. I think it was Columbia had it, and then dumped mm -hmm. it, and then yeah. it went to Warner Brothers. And um, it because it did, that was at a time where you know a movie like that could get dumped and not get branded as a troubled movie. Instead, it kind of became like a curiosity object. Like, yeah, you know, it's coming out toward the end of the Vietnam War. It's still very much in everyone's mind, and it has a, there's a remarkable 
clip of the Oscars because this won Best Documentary. Um, and it won right in like in the spring of 75, I believe, right as it was becoming clear that, I mean, Americans were going to pull out of be it a Saigon like two or three weeks after this. And Birch Matter, who's, you know, this amazing producer who did, you know, um, another great movie that incorporates Vietnam, which is The Monkey's Head, which I did not, I did not include the show for it's, right. it's got a couple of anti-war moments in it, but he, you know, gets up and reads a telegram from someone in North Vietnam, basically saying, you know, thank you to America. Like, we welcome you know, welcome your cooperation and then, you know, basically saying we're ending this war. And you, it was a huge blowback. It was a blowback behind the scenes. It was a blowback. Um, you know, there were 40 million people watching that night. And the next day, that night, NBC started getting telegrams and kind of and phone calls. Um, one of my favorite details is that, you know, that that Oscar show was very much a whole Hollywood meets New Hollywood. It was like John Wayne, Frank Sinatra, like those guys, Bob Hope. And apparently, you know, they made Frank Sinatra read a statement later in the show, basically saying like, hey, the Academy doesn't like politics at all. And once Frank Sinatra comes off stage, he's accosted by uh, Shirley MacLaine and Warren Beatty being like, what are you doing? Like, it, it's this crazy moment of like new and old Hollywood butting heads over this huge topic. But the fact that it won, that gave that movie, I mean, you know, back at the time of the mid 70s when documentaries needed every bit of visibility they could get to survive and not just right. play on like college campuses. It's it's a really seminal movie. It's a really troubling movie. Um, I'm not always at peace with some of the decisions they make. Like I, they do feel kind of mid to me, but I it's incredibly powerful. And it's it's definitely if you're gonna watch, you know, a handful of documentaries about Vietnam and or just Vietnam movies in general, I think that is definitely one that's worth watching. Well, and even I mean, look, we call this podcast the B side, and you could even make the argument, obviously, in a lot of ways, Hearts and Minds is certainly an A side of the war, but I think it qualifies in as much as like you're saying, it's a documentary that, like you said, Columbia refused to distribute. One brothers kind of saved it. And then it has this long tail of, you know, it's iconic in its own right now. You can watch it on Max as we're talking, HBO Max, and and I think um, it's worth watching. And I'd certainly seen scenes in school of the film when I was watching it yeah. in full this time. I was recalling those memories, but certainly not start to finish. And I think, yeah, look, it's provocateur, you know, you know, cinema, docu doc, you know, doc, you know, documentary style, and you're going to see you know, people like Michael Moore, right? Speaking of Roger and me, really take that to another yeah. level, you know, with stuff like Fahrenheit 9-11 and whatnot. And I think Bowling for Columbine. And I think, um, you know, the results may vary. I think we know that for sure in terms of, you know, I don't think Fahrenheit 9-11 looks great now, right? I feel like it feels a bit churlish and childish, you know, in hindsight. But I think, you know, it's it's just it's an essential text. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. I mean, we don't need to get into a lot of the details. It's incredibly hard to watch. There's a scene in kind of one of these, I don't, yeah. I guess you could, and we would call them a harem, right? Like a Vietnam kind of a yeah, yeah you like know, a brothel. sex workers brothel, brothel, yeah. brothel. Yeah, and it's harem is very old. It's very old. <laughs> I feel like I'm yeah. uh, three three hundred years of uh, that's more of like a, what's the George <laughs> Miller movie, um, but um. Yeah, that's a troubling scene. It doesn't feel that seems really upsetting. Yeah, yeah. it's an upsetting and that plays scene out for a long time. Like that's very plays long. Out. That's yeah. the scene I'm talking about, where it's like he could have cut that 25 seconds earlier. And it a little made bit. A huge amount of narrative difference. A little bit. And, and it's funny. The Hamburger goes, Hill. The more skewed you feel. And Hamburger Hill has a. It's fictional to some. Obviously, you know, it's a fictional film about a real battle. But like, there's a scene with Steven Weber and Dylan McDermott who are kind. Of, it's an ensemble, but they're the de facto leads of the picture. Like, that's a similar. You would. 
you'd imagine John Irvin must have seen Hearts and Minds because there's a scene that has a danger to it that feels of a piece with Hearts and Minds that's similarly mm -hmm. hard to watch. And I think if there wasn't as much the charisma of Stephen Weber and Dylan McDermott, it'd be even, you know, luck yeah. you're luckily you have these kind of good looking young people who are driving it forward. And, um, but anyway, we'll get to that. But I think, I don't know, Connor, what else, what else drew you in with hearts and minds? Had you seen it before? Uh, like you, I had seen, I thought I hadn't seen it at all. And then watching it, I was like, oh, that's from this, right? Like, I, And we should I, also mention, because I'm realizing McNamara isn't in Hearts and Minds, but it's a good reason to mention, you know, the not a B-side, but the great Errol Morris Fog documentary, yeah. Fog yeah. of War, in which kind of, you know, that's a, that's also seminal, you know, where McNamara's like, yeah, there was no golf a Tonkin incident. You know, you're like, which okay. we knew, but to hear McNamara yeah. say it, you're like, Rob, Bob, Jesus Christ, Bob. All right, but sorry, Connor, go, go ahead, sorry. No, I mean, I I, I basically agree. I, I had seen, I realized watching it all the way through, I had seen parts of it, but I had never watched it front to back, and I, right. I watched it last night. And um, no, I mean, it's, it's a good, again, I think if you know, going in clearly what the lens and the point of view is right already i think that kind of helps right because you're just like again you don't it I, I think then you're just again you're watching like an exercise in mostly editing right like kind of in terms of the way yeah, yeah. everything's structured right and a you know documentary is sort of a it's an it's an editor's format right um in terms of like where where all the i feel like a lot of the heavy lifting lies and um and so, yeah, a lot of the juxt juxtaposition that you're talking about, Brian, I thought, you know, certainly striking, obviously hammers its point home. I think, again, I, yeah, I think sometimes effectively and other times in like a, a, a little bit of an eye rolly way where you're like, okay, like, oh, I get it. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, that said, I was, I, it, I, I was almost more impressed sometimes with when they didn't cut versus, uh, versus like the, the choose the choice to cut right like even even from jump when um and i forget his name but the guy up front i think it's the Tr truman's aide clark is it clark oh clark clifford, clark who's, clifford. The, who's the yeah. dude who calls it sophomoric at it the might very clifford. beginning yeah, i think it's um, clifford, yeah, it's he a... he basically he's like oh okay you want me to give you like just no the rundown is that clifford of... no that's not clifford but i know what you're talking about. keep yeah. going, okay. keep there's, going. A, yeah. there's a bite your point is there's yeah. a bite with... yeah where he's like you want me to tell you what happened yeah he's like oh I, you, you know, wanted me yeah. to tell you what happened from the beginning broadly yeah, yeah, like yeah, and he's like oh yeah. i didn't realize this was gonna like be that sophomoric and i kind of i really appreciate that because it's like yeah i don't know i think this is a I very mean, good there's so but i mean i think to the point bringing back the west merlin and even clifford because clifford is an interesting guy i watched i did watch path to war which is the last movie frankenheimer made where right. sutherland plays donald sutherland plays clifford in that movie and baldwin plays mcnamara and even not a great movie it's frankenheimer's last movie interesting movie Gam michael gambin r.i.p plays lyndon johnson a lot of good acting in the movie the the um ego and like the righteousness in those rooms right sure. and you and, right. and it and it plays in yeah. hearts and minds yeah they're they're letting it play out because you're they, just like they clearly fuck want you, yeah. you guys right you want you to have an opinion of this guy <laughs> but at the same time i kind of did appreciate that he is he does seem to ultimately be calling the doc for what it is which is like if someone true, was like true. i have two hours to learn about the vietnam war <laughs> True, I'd be like, yeah, true. watch Hearts and Minds. Like that will give you 
pretty a, a good overview of like Ish, and, right. and sophomore work would be the mean way to describe it for sure but like i don't think yeah, base that, level i mean you get yeah, a little bit is, of that th yeah. there is kind of i think and i don't mean this in a bad way i think it's helpful but there is sort of a 101 well, level to it think, in terms of the, just how it's covering the subject and i think what's so a couple of interesting things and brian you can tell me if i'm off base here but i think it's interesting it's you're essentially like peter davis maybe on someone unknowingly like opens the door and issues a challenge to other filmmakers in winning the Oscar and making this movie where you get, get you only a couple years later, you get, you know, uh, apocalypse now and the deer hunter, right. Which are these kind of, you know, very different movies, but very in your face movies, you know, like where I was, I rewatched the deer hunter last night and I was reminded like, it's just the most movie, right? Yeah. And Chimino made like, <laughs> Chimino like made five of them. And I mean, look, I, yeah. I think the deer hunter is like an unqualified masterwork. So it's like, I, I love Chimino and I love that movie and I love heaven's gate and I I'll defend the Sicilian and all these things. Right. But it's like, but, but, um, I don't love the Sicilian, but I will defend it. Um, but, um, but like Peter, this movie kind of does push, you know, it, it kind of passes the ball to those movies, right. Where it's like, let's just say it all like, all right, we're going to talk about it. Kind of like you're talking about in literally Connor, like, let's just talk about all of it. And I think, you know, um, what's interesting, if we can use this as a bridge to the little girl from Hanoi, like, you know, on the other side, in the same exact time frame, you have, you know, sorry, I keep saying from the little girl of Hanoi is what it I think it, it actually. It's got a couple. To, the title has a couple different. Girl from Hanoi is another one. Yeah, but like, yeah a couple different translations. You know, so, meanwhile, in Vietnam, we should say right, kind of the 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 move the filmmaking movement is is fresh there during this time, right? And I think what you have is. Um, you know, this very seminal movie by uh, Hai Ning, who like makes, he survives these Christmas bombies, bombings of 1972, right? And he makes makes a film literally in the rubble of, of those bombings as like a tribute to those who died and the soldiers who were fighting in this American war, as they would call it, right? And Brian, you hadn't seen this, right? So what did you think of this movie? Just from that I point thought of it, view. I thought it was remarkable. I mean, I think I actually, you know, I really genuinely... It reminded me a little bit of Hamburger Hill, only in the sense that I thought, how was no one injured during this movie? Because <laughs> right. we, there are scenes where, even if these are prop explosives, like they're, you know, mid-70s, probably not super overly regulated kind of explosives going off around young kids. Like Small a scene children, where the, yeah. Yeah, there's like a school or uh, there's like a school on fire. And it was like, I'm like, oh, those that... are real little uh, kids down by the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was, let me, um, let me just be very honest. I, I have these two little babies. Like, I was like... I was kind of 10 seconding through that. I was like, yeah, I can't. I don't tough. know how much I can Which do for this. Which this movie yeah. is like 10% of the movie, right? Because it's very short. It's like 70, 72, 72, 72 minutes. 72 minutes. Moves like uh, a bullet, though. Moves it like, really does. Moves yeah, like yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was extraordinary. And, you know, it's interesting because when we started doing the rigor show, there was a couple months where I was really kind of anguished, like, okay, this is only going to be Hollywood movies and what are what stories are we leaving out by not covering that? But at the same time, if you want to kind of act, convey what Hollywood was depicting, you kind of have to focus on Hollywood. Yeah. So there is a whole legion of um, Vietnam-produced movies from the 70s 
And at one point, I started trying to some of the data. Some of them I couldn't even find without subtitles. This is probably the easiest. This is probably the most circulated, easiest to find for Western audiences. Yeah, I was um, going to say, the other one I watched just last night, um, um, I, I haven't finished it, I, I'll just say. But but it, in a similar vein, me a few years after it, is um, the Abandoned Field Free Fire Zone. Dude, yeah, is, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Is, accessible and similar it's a little different it's a little bit more granular granular it has a little bit more of like day-to-day in it whereas you know i think with with um you know with the little girl of hanoi it's like you get a little bit of day-to-day in the flashbacks the quick premise of of the movie is essentially there's a young girl who's lost her mother and sister um in the immediate aftermath of these bombings and befriends a soldier in her search for her father who's part of the missile team uh for the for the for the north vietnamese and um and it's just they're trying to they're trying to um find her dad and she's recalling her memories from her kind of immediate past and there's a couple twists which i guess we don't need to give away but it's it's ultimately like a you know a well-made piece of propaganda very directly kind of made to rouse the rabble to some degree and also acknowledge these atrocities right i mean what would you from a propaganda standpoint like did that that take anything away for you uh brian as a viewer it's like like the best propaganda it's it's you have to be a propaganda has to be well made or to connect and like it's extraordinarily well made and it's also well made in ways that it didn't have to be like there's some really amazing camera work in this movie like that opening shot one of those opening shots where they're kind of following this foot traffic along under a bridge where i was and there's a couple of the scenes too that are like air that are seem like they're handheld and also aerial at the same time i was really kind of like this camera is moving a lot as if you, it's, I don't know if this is intentional or not, um, just because I don't know how much shot putting they have, so they're using real footage and you know, real studies, yeah. but like, it really did feel like they were trying to make you feel as if you were like this little girl and the and the soldiers, that you were just kind of on the march. You were constantly, you, you really feel like on the move, constantly in this movie because of the camera work. It's, it's really well made. It's a really, really great child performance. Like, usually yeah. these kind of yeah. things are not good. Uh, we, and I thought it was I thought it was very, very moving, divorcing myself from whatever I felt about, you know, it's the message it was trying to send, which it it hammers home, but there are I mean, I've seen much more I I mean, you know, it's it's no it's it's a lot more subtle than say Pearl Harbor than Michael Bay movie, which is right, not the yeah, right. propaganda. It's, it's like yeah, well, it's, not like, the, it's, it's not the most egregious propaganda. It's, no, it's, no, it's way, it's way better, well made, bad, bad sentence structure. But it's extremely, it's an extremely better film than something like the Green Berets, which you talk about, right? Yeah, in in your podcast, which is just a just a heaping pile of dog shit. That movie is just, woo! Uh, I it's saw that many hang. years ago. It, yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's. I did not grow up with the fascination. My the weird thing is, my dad was the only like near boomer dad who did not watch john wayne movies so like i grew up go. with like <laughs> i grew up with affection for like seven or eight like of the really good john wayne movies that i never kind of bought i was never like yeah me. you know i didn't i didn't need to be brainwashed to john wayne at a certain point uh that movie is is yeah it's it is really bad it was his idea and it's he's all over it literally and figuratively but you know the green berets just tied back to hearts and minds it's like the green berets came out in 68 hearts and minds is 75 and in between, there have not been there have been a lot of really interesting small B movies and drive-in movies and Western yeah. allegories about Vietnam, but there had not been like a big relatively mainstream release. Now, Hearts of Minds just be the one the documentary Oscar eventually Nobody became saw somewhat yeah. kind of mainstream. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. It, 
but it was still much bigger. I mean, that was, you know, for about seven or eight years, the only two big Hollywood stadiums on Vietnam were either Peter Davis or John Wade. Um, yeah, so, or it was like, which is like you say, or it was like Rolling yeah. Thunder, right? Or, or it was like a vigilante yeah, yeah. movie, you know? Yeah, yeah but, you had some really great like zombie movies about that. So you had like, sure. you know, the, a lot of Westerns that were about Vietnam, but those were, you know, mostly smaller kind of pictures. But yeah, so a movie like this, you know, I don't know what the context was for what else was being released in Vietnam at that time, but I imagine this was a pretty striking, I mean, I'm, pretty, I'm sure this was very well received at the time. Yeah, and I, I looked a little bit into it, and I believe it was, and I believe it was kind of a a rallying point for you know for 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 at least some of the people. And I think you know, there's one. We'll just mention there's one. You can find this movie on YouTube and, and archive.org and whatnot. Um, there's kind of a stunning sequence where they come upon these, you know, this crash site among many crash sites, but a fresher crash site, and these uh, American pilots have been taken prisoner by yeah. Vietnamese soldiers. Yeah, and the lead actress, the young girl you're mentioning, Brian, her change from like just suffering to just hate, right in her eyes, looking at these soldiers, and then their reaction to her. It's like kind of. A lot of the sound design drops off. The score kind of drops away for a moment. And it is like stunningly good filmmaking yeah. and very memorable images that come with it. And I just think I would just, you know, like Connor mentioned, it's a short movie and certainly well worth just even for the context of. And then I even was just to bring it back and then we can we can move to Hamburger Hill and just, you know, hit some other things. But like what's fascinating, just because I was generally re, you know, acclimating to all these things. What's so crazy about the Green Berets is like it comes out in 68 and the Tet Offensive is like right around the corner, which is like mm. the, the the inflection point of the whole public just turning on Vietnam, right? Where it's like, you know, our, our, us being in Vietnam because it's just like, you know, if you don't know about the Tet Offensive, right? Uh, those who are listening, like we were, the cell was like, we, we got it. We, now nah, we got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now we we got it. Give a couple more months, few hundred thousand more soldiers. We're just gonna bomb. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. And then it was like the Tet Offensive was like, they like you know kind of a sneak attack. Almost you know got our embassy. You know we held them back. And it was like you had people in America like what what wait what happened like what like and so I think. It's just so fascinating. You know, like I feel like if even the Green Brace had come out a year later, it would have just been like more ignored because I just think the message would have just been so sullied by what was really happening, you know, and um, it's just fascinating to think about. And I think, so yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned it in the podcast, by the time you get to the mid eighties, that's really the, the rainbow road of like all the great Vietnam movies, right? It's like, you know, platoon, but then, you know, we said born of the 4th of July casualties of war, you know, not all of these are hits, but they're kind of seminal now. Um, uh, Full Metal Jacket, of course. There's a, a million others I'm not naming. And, you know, stuck in the middle of all those is Hamburger Hill, which doesn't re really have a big star, right? It has young, you know, Don Cheadle's first movie, Courtney B. Vance, yeah. one of his first movies. Steven Weber's kind of the the head of the group, you'd say, right? And then Dylan McDermott's directly under him. They're both young stars, you know, but neither of them have really made much hay of of what would be very accomplished careers. Um, funny enough, yeah. we just funny enough, we just talked about Steven Weber because uh, we talked about the Larry <laughs> David film Sour Grapes. So, oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> a, way, a way different <laughs> performance by Mister Mister Weber. But um, yeah, I mean, Connor, you hadn't seen Hamburger Hill, right? Had you seen it? No, I had not. And... and John Irving, we should say, made like 
Next of Kin with Patrick Swayze, yeah. Raw Deal, Raw kind, Deal. Of good, yeah. kind of a good, you know, action filmmaker, underrated. Raw you know. Deal, which has, I just have to say really quick, Raw Deal, Brian, you've seen Raw Deal? Yeah, not in a long time, but I've, oh yeah, I never saw it. So we've basically, all, we've all made the Raw Arnold Deal. has to we've fake his it. own death in that movie, <laughs> yeah. and the way he fakes his own death is he like rides his car into like a giant fucking like refinery or something like yeah just a very large piece of property <laughs> that he blows up the whole thing and i'm like you could probably think of a less ostentatious way to like bake your own death on yeah, speaking anyway, of the sorry. weather underground like what if there's a custodian in there right, right. he like blows up the whole <laughs> place anyway um yeah. that movie also has the best toaster tag line of one of the best ones of the 80s do you remember what it was no do you tell us yeah. it was um because we had the video store box it was, they gave him a raw deal. Nobody gives him a raw deal. <laughs> Schwarzenegger, raw deal. It's like, that was great. It's like, it's so over the top. And uh, it's just it's like- I'm we, looking we at it title, right now. That's kind of- We get the title three times on the poster. How can we get yeah. the word? Make sure this is so good. To call it raw deal. Yeah, the system, the system gave him a raw deal. Nobody oh, gives sorry, him a raw deal. Raw deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> raw it's deal. Amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. God, the raw deal three times. I mean, hey. You know, repetition, right? Advertising, yeah. you know, just say it. Um, no, sorry. I just had to bring that up because no, when you, I saw no, that right he directed right Raw to. Deal, I was like, that's insane. Um, yeah, I had not seen this movie. I uh, I did like it. I didn't love, um, it's funny, I didn't love the score. Oh, funny. Um, I love the score. Philip film class kind of begins Glass, and ends the movie. And I don't mean it's not it wasn't it's it wasn't really from like a melodic standpoint. It's that it felt, you know, like the synthiness of it felt kind of anemic to me. Mm. And when the movie starts, it's just like some titles. It's the Vietnam Memorial and it's the Philip Glass score. Yeah. And I it weirdly had like TV movie energy to me when it started. And then the minute the score went away, I was like, oh, no, this feels better, which I was surprised by because I knew the score was by Philip Glass. So I was expecting to like really well, love Well, Irvin it. kind really. of avoids it for basically the whole movie, no, he, right? Yeah, he yeah. literally just kind of brings it back as kind yeah. of the only yeah, piece yeah. of music that, that resurfaces. And it admittedly to me kind of feels weird every time. But um, but no, I think once the movie gets going, um, and like you mentioned, Brian, it's a tough, it's a tough hang, but it's there's some really striking stuff in it like there's a just a real fast and furious nature to certain scenes especially once the once there's sort of few attacks on the hill that you see in the movie um start taking place where like you know you have a character and i won't say who but you have a character who like gets his arm blown off and it happens in an instant and it's kind yeah. of like a beautifully edited moment because it happens and they're like hey, you, like your arm. And he's just kind of stunned or whatever. And he looks up at his I arm know. and his arm's there. Oh and then God. the camera just like moves a little bit and you see his arm is just completely, his other arm is completely gone. Right, he hasn't and he, even noticed. And he like yeah. hasn't even had a minute to notice. Yeah. And like that stuff I mm. think is like super, super effective. Um, yeah, and I, it's harrowing with a harrowing movie. Yeah. And yeah. I think... Um, no, I think it's like a really good, I think it's a really good ensemble. I do want to talk about Don Cheadle for a second because he's not, you know, he's like very supporting. Um, but I do think it's interesting that he's like basically used for like reactionary cutaways and it's super effective. He's like, there. Yeah. he's just got such a great face that like, yeah. there are so many cutaways where you're just like, 
he's kind of your in to like how to feel about the moment, you know, if you if you don't already know kind of thing. Um, this so would have I been think, like the year after he made that short film with Carl, Carl Franklin, you know, literally. Right, right, yeah, right. Because we, we talked yeah, to Carl. Did, yeah. I think he did Colors after that. Because Colors is the same thing where he actually doesn't have a lot of light. It's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of hanging out in the background, at least until I think the last half hour or so. But yeah, I mean, he was, look, he's a one of our great reaction shot guys. I guess. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he just has yeah, a great, I don't know, he's just got a great face he's got a lot going on behind the eyes so it's like a very interesting well Van- to me vance courtney b vance is like the mvp of this oh, he's no. like at, without, so without such a firecracker question. like and he's um, always been an underrated this, was actor, this his first movie? i don't know i could double check it i don't think it was his first but let me double check no he's uh, he yeah. a lot of stage stuff i think he may have had something small but this was definitely like this was the biggest his coming at his like coming out he party had. kind of yeah yeah he, I know he's he great. Sings up the twelve, like it's the same with the OJ series. Like he does the outside of the twelve, and he comes really close to that line of overacting sometimes. But he's totally. so he's so effective at twelve that you know the the only moment yeah, there's a moment where they're on the hill where he's just kind of like yelling over someone's dead body, and that to me, and I and again I think this is because yeah, of the, 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 the first film, the, the first Bla- feature film. Yeah. Oh, good for him. It's a yeah. great, it's a great performance. Uh, but the Philip Glass score swells up, and I remember thinking, like, oh, this feels like a bit much. Like, that, it's like the one moment where, like, Vance is just yelling over somebody's body, and then the score comes up. And that was kind of, because I think the movie gets into just this kind of, like, I don't want to say hyper-realism, but it gets into this, like, kind of stripped-down, um, it, it just gets into that stripped-down quality, especially once they get into the attack, that, like, once the... I think more sort of like impressed upon you emotional beats try to set in. That's when it becomes less effective to me. Um, when it sort of starts to lean into being a movie, right? Um, yeah, and I think you know, Irvin was a documentarian. He actually went to Vietnam in like '69 for the BBC. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that really kind of did he use some of that footage here? I don't think he. I don't think he. Yeah. No, I don't think he was actually near near where the Hamburger Hill battle was waged. I don't remember, but I don't think so. I think, but I think that kind of like immediacy and that kind of like matter of fact, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Kind of rhythm of the movie is so effective that the few times when it does try to pause and say, "Here's how we're all feeling about what's happening," yeah, it's not quite effective. And I will say, as someone who watched a lot of '80s Vietnam movies, both good and bad. The opening scene of the Washington Memorial. At some point, it almost felt like there was a tax rebate. You like half of these movies have to have a scene. <laughs> Same with Private Ryan. Yeah, and all those that carry that on is just sort of like it has to have the bookending event somewhere. Yeah, right. Which right. is which right. is admittedly the worst part of that movie. I think is the, is probably the no book for end Private Ryan. Of, this, of, the only cemetery part. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the tax thing because and I don't forgive me if somebody mentioned this already, but this like this movie had sort of the seal of approval of the DOD. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you can kind of Whereas tell. Whereas Platoon the, did not, right? Wasn't that the whole thing, right? A Platoon didn't. Apocalypse Now. I mean, Coppola was really salty that he couldn't get I love that. Can I just say, Coppola's the funniest filmmaker to me because like the ego, because you play that famous can clip, right? Which I think people yeah. have forgotten now where, he's, where he says, he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, this isn't a movie. We know we were in. You know we made the war. We're we were in the war. You're like, bro, yeah. you gotta. All right, just dial it back a little bit. <laughs> he had so many moments of such like, you uh, of like such the ego was so high for him, and now he's this like 
lovely elder statesman yeah. who's like so romantic and I love him. God knows. One I mean, my they, absolute they, favorite what, they yeah. were the movie brats. Like they weren't called the movie guys. Yeah, they were brats. Take yeah. Yeah. Right. as well. I don't really have a measured response to things. Like they were, I mean, Coco, I mean, he is bratty in that time. A lot of the press yeah. oh, is yeah. just like he's, and he used the press to complain about stuff. And it's great because now it's like no one wants, you know, he just, he, he wrote his own bad press for a while, but he was very entertaining doing so in a way that I don't think uh, any other sort of young filmmaker would like kind well, of dare to be at this point. That's a great and, and point. We, and we should, <laughs> and just to, as we're quickly around this time, I just because I really do love this movie. You know, Big Wednesday. Speaking of the brats, and oh kind yeah, of brat adjacent. Not directly a Vietnam movie, but certainly Vietnam hangs over the whole picture. Oh, yeah. um, Big Wednesday is a very good movie, and John Milius' first directed movie, and really kind of to this day a b-side and i would just recommend anybody seek that movie out because it's just essential stuff and you have like just really good performances and kind of for for even for milius like kind of milius was such a you know um insane person and like his movies are insane and extroverted and like this movie for for him is kind of a very subtle beautiful little movie um and so i hadn't anyway, seen it till yeah. about three or four years ago and i absolutely love it like i yeah. it's it, it's a fantastic movie it does it both feels very john milius and very not john milius in the same way i mean exactly, all exactly. Great big swagger and you know i am still fascinated by like i know what happened to j michael Vincent, but like what happened to j michael Vincent because he's Right, so good. He looks he's like a so like a Greek god in that movie. You're just like, oh, no, like, what happened, man? Like, and he had other good, he had some other good roles, but I think also just those and and what happened to Kirsten? <laughs> like it is like it's a cursed like, cast. Actually, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe there was something seeping into the water in that movie, but like it's, <laughs> it's definitely like it is a movie that I wish I could have. I put in the show a little bit because there's a couple of moments about Vietnam, but that movie feels so much of like what I imagine it was like to come of age during that era. Like, I think that captures like so much of what made this war so fascinating to people of my age is because you could see yourself as a 20, as a, as a teenager, as a young 20 something, very optimistic and hopeful about the world in front of you. And then this war happens either to you or to your friends and your entire expectations, your entire kind of understanding of what the world is like and what America is like is just absolutely damage for good i mean it's just it's 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 truly striking what this war did to a lot of young men and women in this country and oh not, yeah but yeah. of course it's southeast asia as well but it'd be for a very american movie about that a big wednesday is maybe as good as it gets oh yeah i totally agree and i think yeah i mean yeah it's basically kind of a a, a more well-defined similar to that first hour in a different part of america but similar to that first hour, hour of the deer hunter where it kind of yes. captures kind of the haunting of Vietnam, right? Like just kind of, you yeah. know, uh, over, over, over the, over the nation in some respect. But, um, but I think no, it's I, I fat. Think you'd want to hang out with the guys from Big Wednesday before oh. much more. Than I'm like, I sit here under, it's worst of all, you only go to a seven hour long wedding. You can just go to the Dude, beach. Dude, that wedding. Yeah. An awesome party. That wedding. Amazing. I mean, I love the Deer Hunter, but like, it's so funny. You can imagine Shimino watching The Godfather and being like, I'm going to make an even longer wedding scene yeah. than that. <laughs> My only note for is this movie, The Godfather is too short. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I need a little bit more wedding and it's going to be Russian <laughs> and in Pittsburgh and not, you know, uh, California, but, um, or I guess New York actually, but, I, but, I, um, go ahead. It sorry, is, no, no, no. It's just funny to think about though. Um, because, you know, you talk about these movies that, that have just the, the haunting quality to them, yeah. of like the nature of the war. And I do think it's funny that like with Hamburger Hill, right. And we talked about it, we sort of alluded to it before, but like basically, um, 
it 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 gives a long enough sort of tail to to platoon which comes out wins all the oscars whatever um to seemingly come out and still make an impact and i won't spoil the exact anecdote because i do think people should discover it on your pod brian but there is a move that somebody pulls involving stanley kubrick that like totally <laughs> fucks hamburger hill like in a way that when I was listening to that episode, Brian, I was like, that's actually insane. Like I like that, so, <laughs> that somebody did that and that that happened. But basically it allows Full Metal Jacket to come out, you know, essentially two months, right? Like just just yeah. sneak in under yeah, the wire yeah, yeah, yeah. Bef- before Hamburger Hill. And and Full Metal Jacket was a hit. It made, and it, it and made it was so it was, much yeah. so that, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about, the like the haunting quality of some of it is that like, and, and the nature of, you know, a, gen- a certain generation that just missed Vietnam discovering it through these movies, right? And you talk about it, I think, in the same episode that you talk about Hamburger Hill, um, but how, like, the long tail of Full Metal Jacket essentially even gives way to something like Jarhead, right? Like, very, right. Di- very directly, and I won't spoil that either, but well, that yeah, stuff yeah, is right. kind of fascinating to me, and I think, like, it's... It's, and you talked to Swaf- you talked to Swafford, right? In the yeah, yeah. He, and he yes. sort of speaks directly to his experience that people people should listen. I went to. to let me tell you something. I went to well, me and Connor went to the same uh, college, and I worked for the newspaper. And there were people who were vets who I worked with at that newspaper who like hated Anthony Swafford because Josh had just come out, you know, like when Connor right because it was 05, yeah, we went to school yeah, yeah. in 06. So like I worked for the paper the whole time I was at school, and I was like very involved and stuff, and um. And, um, and these guys were older and they went to school late cause they had served and they saw some combat. I feel like, did they, is that possible? Yeah. Cause it would have been 06. Yeah. So they would have maybe if they were in Afghanistan, I guess. And they like had such vitriolic feelings for Swafford. You know, I just remember like having conversations and I was 20, you know, Obama got elected. I was like on top of the world, you know? And like, and I just always think of that. They just really hated that guy. It, it's <laughs> so just, funny. it's an interesting, that sort of, part of that episode i think is really interesting because i just you know obviously being even younger right than him i couldn't imagine and you know i feel like i always like i said i always grew up with vietnam as just the bad thing right so i just can't i can't imagine anybody watching any movie about it and thinking like oh yeah this is something that i might want to do right like and almost like especially full metal jacket right like yeah. i feel like i it's just fascinating to me that someone could watch that movie and walk away with well like, but isn't know? it just i mean brian don't you agree isn't it just like the don't do itness of it of being younger right where your sure, parents tell you right. not to do yeah, something maybe. and you're kind of yeah. like oh, well, maybe, maybe it's I'll do case it. too like you know, Swafford, when I interviewed him, he said, you know, he because he and all his buddies went to go see Full Metal Jack, and he was already thinking of the Marines, but he was like, look, I wanted like a macho fantasy, yeah. and that's what yeah. I got. And that's, you know, parts of Full Metal Jacket are like that for a wash. <laughs> and it's what's, it, you know, and that movie, the, uh, you know, and you mentioned that, but like that movie was like a legitimate hit. I mean, it made yeah. like 40 or $45 million, which nowadays is anything, but like for that movie to be yeah. like, to play for five or six months and then you go on VHS and then you go on home video and everyone yeah. like Saturday Night Live I think I cut up the show but Saturday Night Live did like a Phil Hartman parody of that a year after it came out or something like it was just like oh yeah it was seeped in the culture a, yeah yeah it was a very very big deal in a way that I don't think any Iraq or Afghanistan war movie really has been or could be at this point like in terms of like 
years and years and years of young viewers watching it. And being I, hit, yeah, you know? I was even trying to look back and think about it, and it's like nothing even really comes close in in a, in a literal way. You know, Jarhead certainly had its moment, but even even that was, I think, disappointingly received. And I think you know, Swafford is a very you know, uh, you know, he's incredibly well spoken, and I think really, yeah. really articulates the the malaise of of being there right which is in his obviously his account in jarhead and obviously in the movie to some degree but there's so much that's so different you know from vietnam and i think you know he's probably you know the first source of that type of stuff but if you think about like you know stop loss like nobody saw right. it you know kimberly pierce's yeah. movie right like there were just stuff nothing really broke through and i think it's just because it's a different you know it was a different war but it was just also a different you know a different uh i don't know it's all complicated now right there is no world war Two like thing right there is no yeah you know you know, there is no, um, even when the villain seems so clear after 9-11 and that's its own, you know, poisonous, yeah. Yeah. you know, kind of thing, like you're, st you know, it's, it's not going to be, you know, Mel Gibson in the Patriot, right. It's not going to yeah. be these kind of very yeah. direct, you know, allegories and whatever. So I just think, yeah, it's fascinating to, to even look back and, you know, think about stuff like Hamburger Hill, you know, and I'm glad more people are, are watching it because I do think it's worth watching. And I think, there's a lot to be gleaned from these movies. And I think, um, um, they're just a, fa it's a fascinating subgenre that I don't, I couldn't even really con like, are there Korean, are there Korean war movies? There are right. Not there a are, lot. There, there are, but it's like, there aren't that many. And it's really like, it really is. When you look back at, and even world war one, there's not as many, there are a lot of films, not as many as you think it really is. I do think world war two and Vietnam just became, you know, because they were both, you know, partly because their evolution kind of tracks with Hollywood's evolution, but also, I mean, you had, you know, the greatest generation of the boomers, two generations that kind of ran the media for like 50 years, and those were their right. wars, you know? Yeah, that's um, a good point. I mean, like, I guess MASH technically is a Korea War movie, though. But, I it's, mean, a Viet, it's, but it's a Vietnam It's a Vietnam War. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Alden basically is like, I had to make this about Korea, Korea because yeah. it's not about, yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, it's funny, you know what is, you know what is a Korea, Korea War movie? It just came out pretty good. That movie, Devotion. Oh, oh is that yeah. out? That was that was good. I mean, it's you know, sadly kind of underseen, but and then actually kind of a good. Now that I'm just looking at it right here, kind of a good Joshua Logan picture, uh, which I saw. Uh, the James Garner Marlon Brando movie Sayonara, Sayonara is pretty good. Oh yeah, good. yeah. That's kind yeah. of an epic. Yeah, that actually was a hit actually in the fifties. I yeah. would say, but yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of the Twilight Zone is about Korea because I think yeah. I Feel like Rod Serling was was in. I think he was a paratrooper or something. I think he was in the Korean War. But like, there's definitely a couple of um, Twilight Zones that are clearly about the Korean War. Like, yeah, he's like, very fresh on like directly take place in the Korean yeah. War. Like a, a few of them yeah. for sure. But the point but is the, yeah. far less. But you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, you look at the more recent conflicts, and it's like you have the Herd Locker, which again, it's like the one best picture. It's about Iraq. It's a huge movie, but it's like it's one of the smallest best picture winners of all time. And I feel like. I feel like that movie's almost kind of slipping from memory a little bit. Like it's just, it's just, I don't think it, you know, was it, it didn't have the sort of full metal jacket kind of like quotability or like it didn't have that thing you could latch onto that made it kind of pop out of the culture. I think it's a great movie, but Iraq and Afghanistan are just, and then all the Middle East wars are still just like, they're, they're not, they hadn't, they didn't happen during those wars or whether they're still ongoing and they're not going to happen 
in the future. I don't think people want to tackle those wars at all because those are yeah. if Vietnam is complicated and self indicting, like the, the wars in the Middle East are equally oh, so. God. You know. Oh my God! Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I think what so I guess you covered so much, Brian. Were there any kind of as we get to the end here? Were there any movies you didn't get a chance to spotlight that you wish you had kind of mentioned that? feel kind of b-sided to you i mean you kind of end on dead presidents the hughes brothers movie yeah. which is a really interesting movie uh was there anything else kind of that you had there were yeah i mean there were definitely like in the early aughts there were you know there we were soldiers was a movie that i know a lot of veterans love and fog of war because it won the oscar and a couple others that are kind of like you know rescue dawn sure but i did have to stop it at a certain point you had to stop it because it just became Dead Presidents was such like a huge like big swing and it was like gen x taking on the previous generation more and then after that, like, I, and it's in the podcast, but like, it's striking how the next day it was like, okay, guys, we're going to do World War II again. Like, we're within red lines, Safety Five Orion, yeah. like Pearl Harbor, like, you know, Wind Talkers, like that. It's just, God, the studios wind talkers, were like, right. Wind Talkers, yeah. That's oh, John, we all remember yeah, that's where John, we were. We all remember yeah. where we were. Yeah, we Christian, all remember Christian we were like, Slater. Wind talkers? Yeah. Wind talkers, huh? Wind talkers. Christian Slater okay. talking about how he's going to invent yogurt. Yep. Uh, and oh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, spoiler for Wind Talkers, I believe he gets cut in half by a sword he in that movie. He gets decapitated. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's some yeah. grizzly stuff in that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 But there were there were definitely a couple others. But I, you know, I was very grateful that I got to cover all the stuff that was most fun was for me to do for the show because I'd seen a lot of the big movies before. But there are certainly, you know, there are a lot of kind of fun, dark, interesting like revenge movies yeah. and horror movies that were made. And they're very exploitative, uh, and some of them are made in not the best taste, but after like six days in a row of just pure combat movies, you know, like oh my God. watching, say, like Death Stream, where it's just like like a, like a zombie movie, but it's like, this is very satisfying. <laughs> I need something yeah, like sure, this sure. Seriously. to bring yeah, it I up. I can't yeah. imagine watching all, all of the movies. I was going to say, I was saying to Dan the other day, like how, you know, again, as a subgenre, it's a tough one to kind of dive into willingly, right? Because it's like, again, most mostly a bad time. But I was yeah. even just saying, like, weirdly, I feel like the, the Vietnam movie that I, in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is like a really entertaining one is, and it's recent, is The Five Bloods. Because, again, it's, oh, yeah, like, yeah. it's like a backdrop. It's like a soldier. That's just, you know, it's a soldier's of fortune movie, right? Like, to, to a degree, um, which, again, is its own little subgenre or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely, I I never really looked at it through the lens of some kind of Hollywood boom or movement. And I think the way you've captured it uh, within just the span of several episodes of a podcast, I think is like really comprehensive uh, and, and to your point, super entertaining, like more entertaining than you'd think uh, a, a, a podcast about the Vietnam War movies might be. Uh, so I, uh, I got to commend you for that. Oh, thanks. It was, it really was a weird thing to say. Like I had fun making this Vietnam thing, but it was it was really actually, even though there's a lot of serious conversations and interviews, it was really actually fun to put together because I was learning so much, and I I mostly learned how little I was taught about this war, despite going to a pretty good school, like a good elementary, middle school, and high school. I was like. They really did not have a team. They did not teach this war very well to me in the eighties. No, <laughs> no. I think I think sadly that remains for for me and Connor's generation. I wanted to shout out. Um, you also have a great for the ringer, a great podcast series, uh, Gene and Roger, right? Which is about oh yeah, yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, that was Cisco fun, yeah. and Ebert, which I loved, and I was Thank it you. made me it made me very it was joy I was joyously um you know 
there are sad episodes, of course, if you know the history of Siskel and Eber, but, yeah. but it's such a great uh, uh, audio history of, of that seminal show, um, which I, th- I think all meant a lot to us. It's weird. I always talk about, for me, it's weird that I probably watched more Eber and Roper when I was a kid because that was the age those like five years where like yeah. I would buy Richard Roper's books too. Cause I was like always watching them. It's funny to think back, but obviously Siskel and Ebert were, were kind of un on, on, uh, uncomparable, um, unparalleled. And then, um, and they I did guess... a great Vietnam episode. They did a great like early eighties Vietnam episode where they talked about some of the lesser known movies and like why they, they, they were, those guys have always been very helpful in a way that they Yeah. And research. Yeah. On. That's funny. Yeah. God, yeah. We should, tr- I should try to link to that actually in this, uh, in, in the article here, but, um, yeah, there's so many to recommend. Obviously, you know, the Chuck Norris's ones are not, you know, they're like not B-sides, you know, what, what are they called? What are they missing in action? Right? Missing action. Yeah. yeah. Those were eighties. And like, I don't know, Connor, are there any uh, kind of, as we wrap, are there any Vietnam war movies? Obviously Forrest Gump, you mentioned your pockets. That's kind of the, the period at the end of the sentence of yeah that string, which is its own, I guess, depending on how you take Forrest Gump. I'm always one of those people who I defend Forrest Gump because I, I watch it as a a very uh, direct satire type of a thing, which I think a lot of people disagree with me because like, well, that's not how Zemeckis intended it. And I'm like, well, I don't care. You know, I mean, I don't care, what, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't care what he intended. I'm just telling you how I watched the movie. Like that's yeah, how I yeah, watch yeah. it. Like it's a ridiculous satire. And that's very like self-winking and, and knowing. But I, I, know, I know people disagree with that. But Connor, are there any like... Um, Movies that have you from your mind? Uh, I mean, I would just call Ben. You, you you mentioned this on your pod too, Brian. But I would just call out. Um, you know, we on our Gene Hackman episode talked a oh, little yeah. bit about uh, Uncommon Valor, Uncommon Valor, which is yeah. a pretty, which is a That's pretty good kind of one. Yeah. Fun for some of it, Vietnam movie. Yeah, it's right? really like, fun. That's that yeah. movie is um that movie is. I mean, it's very dark to me, but that movie is deadly and blast. That is a yeah, weird, you get young, young Swayze, you know, sp- sniper Swayze. Yeah. yeah, yeah, No, that's a that is a good one. That is one of my favorite discoveries. I I was sure I'd seen it, and I think I'd seen like a made for TV version of it when I was or edited for TV version when I was younger. I had no memory of how good that was. And it's so funny that it's it's Kotchiff. Like he makes Rambo yeah. and he's like, let's run it back. We'll do it again. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah. No, he, made two the, he made two of the best non Oliver Stone Vietnam vet movies of the 80s, basically. 100%. Yeah. And even yeah. like, yeah. And then even you, I mean, yeah. I mean, and just there's, yeah, he was, he's an interesting filmmaker. Wake, Wake and Fright, totally different, but obviously, big yeah. recommend if, if, if you like those movies, Kotchiff's kind of a, not unlike John Irvin, kind of like, an underrated director now, right? Where you're like, they made good movies, but you know, you rarely hear about them now, unfortunately. Um, so, but uh, yeah, Hamburger Hill, I love. I mean, I will just say, I didn't talk about it much. I, it really affected me. I think Weber's great. I think McDermott, you know, what, you know, he's got, he's got the tools he's got and he uses them yeah. well, you know? Uh, I think, you know, when Cordy B. Vance is also there, you know, he's everyone doing his else, best. When he's on you screen, know, every, everyone else in the best. movie kind of <laughs> disappears a little bit. But yeah. um, but I think it's a well, it's a really a well rendered ensemble for sure. And I think, I mean, look, and we should just say that I think the biggest thing about Hamburger Hill is like there are black characters in the movie. I think that's yeah. like yeah. such like a huge with, with points of view and backgrounds and you opinions know, and yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you get like Keith David in Platoon, right? But it's like it's it's limited, you know. And I think Hamburger Hill is kind of refreshingly not which I think, yeah. you know, that's something that we should say. But yeah, I mean, um, 
Brian, what do you, you have anything coming up that you want to mention? Obviously we mentioned, you know, you know, the book, best movie year ever, um, um, which, which is an easy recommend. Is there anything you got going on that you want the world to know about? I've actually taken a little bit of a break because the Vietnam podcast was very, uh, life and <laughs> life swallowing. <laughs> <laughs> Arduous. Um, yeah. yeah, but I would like to, you know, I, I love making it. I really would like to do another one and I'm hoping that down the line we will. So it's like, I'm basically just sort of like, the Vietnam show was like that's my 2023 thing, and then I'm and then I'm gonna probably jump into a couple of things starting in the new year. But nice because um, I'm still like doing interviews for it and stuff, which is great. Still like hearing back, on, which is awesome. So um, yeah. I, you know, people take a while to find podcasts, but you know, it's like the ringer did a really great job of making sure it got in people's feeds and got in their ears, and uh, I got far less hate mail than I expected. <laughs> 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 So um, yeah, I loved your. Guys. I loved the stuff you got with Dale. It's Dale Dyer, right? Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's some some of the best. We won't spoil it, but he's just such an interesting guy, and, and there's some really great bits from him. Um, you well, know, you know, I, I, if you guys ever get on the show, here's a tip that I learned from making the show: if you get Dale Dyer in your podcast, make sure he does not have to do any technical stuff oh, um, no. on his end that he's confused <laughs> about because he will not be super pleased with it he will not be uh oh dale yeah. oh dale no, yeah he's dale. great he was great i would just say like i was like oh i don't want to piss this guy off dude <laughs> I, I can't I, I i believe that oh man that's funny um well brian thank you so much for for jumping yeah, thanks, on guys. This, this, was, awesome. this was an absolute pleasure um and uh connor i'll pass it to you to, to wrap us up but but thank you brian yeah uh, you got it yeah, you can follow this podcast at TFSB side on social media. If you've liked what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. Brian, again, thank you for coming by. And uh, absolutely, in terms of what's coming up next, we uh, we will have our audience choice uh, episodes that we'll be getting to, which include Don Cheadle, actually. So oh, yeah. maybe maybe we'll revisit a little yeah. Hamburger Hill on that one. Go right, right back up the hill, just like they did. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but until then, just remember, we did not lose Vietnam. It was a tie. And now you're listening to the B-side.